This is Family Sunday, so if you haven't noticed, it's a little more lively, and it may continue to be a little more lively, but we welcome it, and I pray the Lord can allow us to continue to focus in. And so we're going to be uh, coming from Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 33, and the main idea for this sermon, go ahead and uh, this is for, for you to write down, kids, if you have your paper and you're writing it down. The main idea is trust God when things don't go the way you want it to go. All right. Trust God when things don't go the way you want to go. And the sermon is going to be essentially the reasons Jesus gives us that we can trust God uh, when things don't go the way we want them to go. All the adults in here, I think we can all attest that life does not always turn out the way you planned it. Amen. Amen. I heard uh, yesterday from somebody, uh, a friend of mine, um, uh, he said that his wife told him that she didn't think that she would be working still at the age of 30 because she thought that by this time her husband would be really rich, you know. And I said, well, didn't we all? Didn't we all, you know? So um, life does not always turn out the way you expected it, but we trust God um, in his kindness. And, and, and that's another sermon. We're not going that way. Um, Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 33. That person does not go to church here. You do not know them. That's why I tell the story, okay? Um, so let's read. It's a pretty long passage. It says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. This is Jesus speaking. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for What you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. And it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. And this is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me, brothers and sisters. God, thank you so much for another Family Sunday, and thank you for our children being with us. I do pray, Lord, that you would grant me grace, that your word would go forth with such clarity, with conviction, and you would grant me help to connect well with our children here. I pray, Father, that your word would incite in them a love for you, a love for truth, 
And Father, that you would be working in them the godliness that you desire of all of us. I pray indeed that your word would work that in all of our hearts, the big and the little children this morning, that we would be and become the people of God that you desire us. But above all, Lord God, that we would know the love and the care that you have for us. And that would be the impetus. That would be our propulsion into this world to live for your glory and for your kingdom. Lord, I give you the honor, the glory, and the praise, and pray that you would make us, Father, sure of your truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, brothers and sisters, uh, let's go to that first picture slide. Who knows who this is? Who this is? All right. Now, when I did this, I realized that I'm dating myself, and probably more adults might know than children, um, because this is a very old cartoon, but I would love one of the younger children to tell me, who is this? Go ahead, Miles. What you got? Huh? It's the dude from Looney Tunes. What is his name? <laughs> the kid said, Willie. Uh, Wild E. Coyote. I didn't know that's how you spelled his name. I didn't realize that the E was actually an abbreviation does anybody know what the middle name is? Ernest? It is, Ruby? I have no idea either, but I, I didn't know that's how it was spelled. But anyhow, this is Wild E. Coyote. And if you know anything about the, the, this cartoon, can you turn me down just a little bit, Joy? If you know anything about this cartoon, Wild E. Coyote spends his entire life trying to catch who? The Roadrunner, Right? He's trying to catch this bird, which is the, a roadrunner is an actual bird. It's not quite as fast as a roadrunner in the cartoons. And the sad thing about Wiley Coyote's life is that he never, ever catches him. And these are some of the funniest cartoons in history. If you see all the ways that Wiley Coyote hurts himself in his attempt to hurt the roadrunner. And it's pretty sad when you think about it that he's just wasting his life, never catching this guy. But that's just a cartoon. Wiley Coyote is actually a depiction of this animal, a real coyote. Now, where I live, which is right here in the city of Atlanta, it's not, not far from here, there are tons of coyotes. Really interesting. And these coyotes live around where I live because a lot of their food lives where I live, right? Can you guys tell me some of the things that coyotes may eat? <laughs> Actually, they don't. They can't catch them. They can't catch, them. huh? Rabbits, yeah. What else, huh? Rodents, chickens, right? Mice, frogs, dogs. They do eat. They do eat dogs. So unfortunately, I didn't want to say that uh, for the children, but um, <laughs> um, but. They, a lot of those things live where we are. Chipmunks, raccoons, possums, they eat animals like that. But um, one of the things they eat that was surprising to me are sheep. They also eat sheep. I have a friend who's from the country in South Carolina, and he says that sometimes his farm neighbor friends, they'd wake up and find some of their sheep torn to pieces because the coyotes got into the pen and ate, and ate the sheep. And he talks about how ferocious coyotes are. 
Well, in our story this morning, um, Jesus tells his disciples and his friends, he tells them that he's sending them out into the world as sheep among wolves. But to use our illustration today, it's like Jesus saying he's sending them out like sheep or rabbits or, or chipmunks or whatever among coyotes. And he's speaking figuratively. He's not telling his disciples, he's not telling his friends that they're literally sheep. But what he's trying to communicate to them is that he's sending them out into a very, very dangerous world where there's going to be people who are going to seek to hurt them and do bad things to them simply because they want to tell people about him and they want to live the way he has called them to live. And what's so terrible about these people, as Jesus goes on to say, is that they won't all be strangers. That a lot of them will be family members, a lot of them will be friends, a lot of them will be members of their synagogue, or another way to say it, their church. And these people will seek to hurt them because they want to please God and live the way Jesus calls them to live. And Jesus doesn't want them to be surprised about this happening. And so he tells them this very heartbreaking news. And instead of them being surprised, Jesus wants them to do what? Trust God. He wants them to trust God when these things happen. And so that's our first point today for for our kids that are taking notes. Okay, you can fill in the blank. He wants them and us to trust that God has a purpose for their pain. In verse 17, Jesus says, he says, they're going to be arrested. They're going to be dragged before governors and kings because they're telling people about Jesus, because they're living the way Jesus tells them to live. And Jesus tells them that there's going to be a purpose, though. There's a purpose why these people are going to drag them before kings and governors and arrest them and those things. And what is the purpose? What's the purpose that Jesus says for, for these bad things happening? Can anybody tell me? That they will glorify God? How? By being witnesses. The reason they're going to be drugged before these, king, these kings and these governors and in these public spaces is so that they can tell these people about Jesus. And God goes on to assure them that they don't even have to be afraid about what they're supposed to say when they stand before these people. Because in that very moment when they stand in those places, God is going to tell them and give them exactly what they need to say. Now, some of you may wonder why it is Pastor Mac is doing his best to talk to you like an elementary school teacher. And that's because I want our children to understand what I'm saying as well. Amen. And so, God, Jesus wants them to know that God has a purpose for what we experience and that he will use the bad things we experience, especially in response to living for him, in order to let more people know about him. Now, I want to tell you guys a quick story about Pastor Mac, about Leon, okay? Believe it or not, believe it or not, why are you laughing, Barry? See, believe it or not, I've been made fun of before. I'm as shocked as you are that people, that people would, 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 would not think twice before making fun of me. But they made fun of me. When I was in high school, I was, I was the Christian guy in high school. 
I was the guy in high school who really wanted to live for the Lord. I wouldn't go to, to the parties because I knew things were going on there that probably wouldn't please God. Right. And I was also the guy that before class and during class and definitely before tests, oh Lord, before tests, I would pray pretty, pretty vehemently. I'd pray pretty hard. And I would pray and sometimes I'd be even expressive in my prayer in the class. Sometimes I would bow my head. I would do this. I would open my hands like this. And there were people in the class who would make fun of me for praying in the open like that. And it wouldn't really hurt my feelings that much. I would just, you know, pray for them as I was praying. But on one occasion, there were two guys making fun of me. These two guys were the best athletes in the school. They were the ones that all the women, all the girls in school, women, all the girls in school liked to follow and things of that nature. And afterwards, while I was praying, I was listening as I was praying because they didn't disturb my prayer. I heard one of the other girls in class, who was probably one of the most popular girls in the school, who happened to be pregnant at the time, I heard her saying, hey, y'all should stop doing that. Because this guy is just praying and he's not doing anything crazy. And they kind of jumped on her about it and stuff. And so after class, uh, because I didn't let any of what I heard stop my praying, after class, I walked with her. Her name was Brittany. I'll never forget And I said, "Um, Brittany, thank you so much for speaking up for me. I said, but I want you to know that God doesn't need anyone to defend him. God is going to deal with them, but I want you to know how much I appreciate. And I remember looking at Brittany and I looked at and Brittany had never I don't think she's ever had anyone engage with her about God or the gospel in any way like that. And it was an opportunity. These guys making fun. It was an opportunity for me to be able to tell Brittany about Jesus. And about who God is. Fast forward to the end of the school year and one of those guys, his name was Derek Slaughter, played football for Sanford University. Very big, very muscular guy. At the end of the year, I got to share the gospel in a class situation. And he wrote me this really long letter about all of the things that had been going on in his life and all of the ways that he had been struggling and how grateful he was that to know that, um, you know, to share, for me to share the gospel and that God loved him and all of those things. I say all that to say specifically for our young people who may find it difficult to live faithfully for God. Maybe not now, but as you progress, it will get a little more difficult to understand that God has a purpose for that pain. And you may not be able to see it right then, but trust me, God has a purpose for it. For our bigger kids, maybe at work, I believe it or not, I've been made fun of for being a Christian at work as an adult, not working here. Oh. <laughs> Except for when Rachel and Barry make fun of me. But, as we continue to live for God, these things will happen. Your friends at school and your friends at work, they may not believe in Jesus or even want to believe in Jesus. And they may actually be mad at you when you tell them about Jesus or when you choose to live the way Jesus says to live. But just remember that God wants you to keep telling people about him. Keep living the way that he has called you to live. And I want to say something that's really important to our young people. And this is something, if I'm honest, it comes a little more naturally to me and probably doesn't come as natural to other people. And I understand that. But I do think it's important. And especially for my younger people here, if you don't catch anything else I say, because I'm saying a lot, I know. If you don't catch anything else I'm saying, please hear this, okay? If you're going to live for Jesus, understand this. You cannot live for the praise of people. You cannot live for the acceptance of people. 
Okay? The acceptance of people is the worst indication of your acceptance before God. Okay? There are a lot of things that will seem good to people in this world that is not good to God. And there are a lot of things that are good to God that will not seem good to people. And if we live to please people, we will rarely please God. And if we live to please God, hear this, we will often offend some people. I remember, now this is after high school. This is for our big people here, just in case you're, you're needing an adult. It's for our big children. You need an adult story of what it means to be a Christian in a, in a work environment. I was working, I was 22 or 23 years old. I was working at a major corporation. Some of you know I've only worked for one, so you may know which one it is, but that's fine. And I was working with this gentleman who was several years, at least 20 or 30 years my senior. And I was talking about some Jesus things and, and things like that. I, I don't remember what the situation was. I've, I probably preach more than I should sometimes. But this man uh, actually said, you know what, Leon? Um, I used to beat people up like, like you in high school. Of course, my, in my mind, I said, well, just so you know, this ain't high school. Right? But... Uh, <laughs> All of that to say that when we choose to speak up for Christ and live for Jesus, just understand big children and little children, we will offend some people. If it's, if it's shocking to you, just let me, let me say that to you. So that's the first thing. But Jesus wants us to know that he has a plan for people's offense. He has a plan for any pain we endure, and he's using it so that we can further tell people about him. That exact man one day... Um, the day that they escorted out and fired him for his, for his uh, insubordination, um, that same day before he knew they were going to call him, he said, Leon, will you please pray for me? So, and then they <laughs> gave him the boot. So, God has a purpose for your pain. Second thing, God wants them, his disciples that he's speaking to, Jesus wants them and he wants us to trust that God loves us and that he cares for us. Jumping down to the end of the story, if you go to that next slide for me there, Ava. How many of you guys know what this is? It's a bird, it's a plane. What do you got? Go ahead. It's a sparrow. It's a sparrow. Um, right now we have a sparrow's nest on the corner of our porch and... The sparrow, we usually try to knock down the nest, but then the sparrows uh, had their babies and all the babies survived um, and they left. And then, sure enough, somebody came back and they have a second. What do you call a, a, a group of sparrows? I've been calling them a litter, but I know that's not right. <laughs> and they had a second group of sparrows in there now. So she's back. So after this time, I'm going to have to remove, remove the nest because I think she thinks that means that she's welcome back. But the sparrow. And sparrows are just little itty-bitty tiny birds that you can find everywhere in the world, on every continent on planet Earth. And back in Jesus' day, they were so prevalent, they were so plentiful and cheap 
that they, you could buy two of them for one penny. One penny. Kids, let me ask you a question. What can you buy for a penny right now? Not a thing. Believe it or not, when I was a kid back in Brooklyn, you could go to the corner store and you could buy one Swedish fish for a penny. One Swedish fish. That one Swedish fish is probably a quarter now. It's crazy inflation, right? Um, but these, these sparrows are sold two for a penny. And Jesus says that God cares even for these little sparrows. That nothing happens to them without God knowing and being concerned about them. And so Jesus is saying, if God cares for these penny sparrows, how much more does he care for you and me who are worth so much more than these pennies? And so what Jesus is saying is that God loves us and we can be assured of this even when we face difficulties, especially when we face difficulties for being obedient to living how God calls us to live and doing the things that he's called us to do. And lastly, and last point this morning, because God cares so much for us, Jesus says this. He says, trust God and do not be afraid. Trust God and don't be afraid. Since God has such a great purpose for his disciples and because he cares for them and cares for us and loves us so much, we shouldn't be afraid. As a matter of fact, in this passage we just read, Jesus tells them four times, four times, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. But Jesus says there is one person that they should be afraid of. And who's that? God. God. In verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body, so, body and soul in hell. In other words, we do not have to be afraid of people and what they say about us or even what they do to us because ultimately God is in control of what happens to our souls. That part of us that lasts forever. Whatever happens to our bodies is temporary, but what happens to our souls is eternal or forever. And if we believe in Jesus, and if we stay faithful to what he calls us to do and how he calls us to live, he promises that he, would pres he will preserve our souls and we will be with him forever instead of being apart from him forever in hell. And that's what Jesus does for us. When he dies on the cross for us, what he is doing is bridging that gap between us and God so that we are connected to God forever and God has our souls. He will take care of those forever. Amen? Amen. Is that good news? And so Jesus is saying, don't be afraid of people who can just do something to the body because our bodies are going to die anyway but rather be concerned about the one who can do something about the soul because the soul goes on forever. So big kids and little kids alike here know that God has a purpose for all of the pain that he allows us to endure. And this purpose includes spreading the goodness of his name. 
One thing I try to do whenever I experience something that may be difficult, be it just because of life or because someone is upset with me, I always try to think, God, how do you plan to use this? God, who would you have me to share these things with? Also know that Jesus wants us to know that God loves us and care for us even more than we're capable of understanding. So we don't have to be afraid of what others say to us or what others may do to us because God has us and he will take care of us forever. 